It's Friday the 3rd of March, 2023. The last word in podcasting news. This is the Pod News Weekly Review with James Cridlin and Sam Sethi. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News. And I'm Sam Sethi, the CEO of Podfans. In the chapters today, YouTube Music adds podcasts, but is it really good news for podcasting? Spotify TikTokification arrives for music and podcast zaps are coming to podcast apps like Fountain. And what is pod speeding? And why does Adam Curry hate it? Plus... Hi there, I'm Steve Pratt from the creativity business. I am an attention strategist, and I'm going to be coming up later to talk about how to earn attention in your podcast. He will. This podcast is sponsored and hosted by Buzzsprout. Last week, more than 4,154 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy with powerful tools and remarkable customer support. Now you can turn your listeners into supporters with Buzzsprout subscriptions. And this podcast is also brought to you by CarMax, apparently, according to Spotify. More details on that later. From your daily newsletter, the Pod News Weekly Review. Yes. Excellent to have another sponsor. Now, so let's kick off, James. Uh, At the end of last week's episode, YouTube unfortunately announced what they were going to do, so we couldn't really talk about it. You kindly jumped back into the podcast and did an edit. But a week's passed, so let's review again. What did YouTube announce about podcasting? And what's our views on it now? Well, they've only really made an announcement on a blog post on the company's uh, website uh, yesterday. Uh, YouTube's new CEO, Neil Mohan, wrote a blog post on the company's 2023 priorities in which he says that uh, both audio and video first podcasts are coming to YouTube music for users in the US. Um, and uh, they're rolling out podcast creation in YouTube Studio, making it easier for creators to set their videos as podcasts. So basically, uh, YouTube Music will get podcasts, so not the full YouTube, but YouTube Music app will get podcasts if you're in the US only, and uh, you'll be able to listen um, if you lock your phone and, um, you know, background listening, you'll be able to listen, And uh, but that will be supported by advertising. Uh, which is an interesting concept. And later this year, YouTube will be offering support for creators to upload their audio podcasts via RSS feeds directly to YouTube. Um, you, I, I clearly had a bit of a say last week. What did you think of the uh, of the announcement, Sam? Well, it was everything we expected, I suppose. It was, uh, it was something to announce with uh, a delivery much later in the future. I think a lot of people have been waiting for something. It's better than nothing. And the question is, is it going to be another Facebook or is it actually going to be something more competitive to Spotify? Um, Will they get bored after a couple of weeks when they don't find the revenue that they expect from it? Or will they say, because I'm not a great fan of Google, you know what I think. They, They often have these projects, they have these ideas, they throw them out the front door. And if it doesn't hit billions of pounds within weeks, they tend to put them into the Google graveyard. And I wonder whether this is the start of YouTube's graveyards. Let's hope not, because it would be good for podcasting in general if there was another way of attracting more users to listen to podcasts. Yeah, it would be. It would be good for podcasting in general. I mean, having said that, of course, that this isn't necessarily podcasting. This is just another way of uh, consuming some of the audio. Um, It's worse, in fact, for podcasting than Spotify has been because... um, they're not using RSS feeds at all at launch. 
and their support for RSS feeds is to upload to their system. It's not as a pass-through. Uh, there's been absolutely no talk of that. So that basically means that any podcast that earns its money through dynamic ad insertion or anything of that nature um, won't be able to make its money through uh, YouTube uh, podcasting and through YouTube music. Um, I, I mean, we don't even know how many people use YouTube music. We know that there are 80 million people who are premium subscribers to YouTube, but there are plenty of people um, who are premium subscribers to YouTube just so that they don't get any ads in the main YouTube service. We don't know how many people actually consume YouTube music. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this and thinking, uh, half, half of me is thinking, where is the good news? I mean, the other half is, I suppose, podcasts will be available if you know what to search for within the main YouTube product on desktop. Um, so you can find this this podcast on uh, YouTube. We, we have a podcast playlist, which has been marked as podcast. Um, but I mean, nobody uses it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, uh, you know, what, what's the benefit for YouTube here? Perhaps the benefit for us is that if they do sell audio advertising, um, then perhaps there will be a rev share of that in the future. And perhaps that therefore means that we might get, you know, 30% of that whoopee. Um, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit down on it. I have to be, I have to be honest. And I think I'm a bit more down on it now, a, a week after, than I was when they just announced it. Is this good news, though, for Adori, Vizzy, Headliner, companies that have been looking to support YouTube as a mechanism for podcasters? Or is this going to be a kick in the teeth for them because you can bypass those platforms and go straight to YouTube? Yeah, I mean, you can bypass those platforms and go straight to YouTube if you want to, but it's quite hard work to produce a video from a piece of podcast audio. So tools like um, Adori or Vizzy, I mean, if I were YouTube, I would be buying one of those um, and I would be uh, you know, putting my hands in my pockets and actually, you know, um, building something which is, um, you know, which is a good tool for for uh, podcasters. Um, but but yeah, so you know, I mean, I produce something for the Pod News Daily, which um, adds some uh, captions which are baked into the video and adds a little fancy video, you know, logo and everything else. Um, but that's about as far as I go. And I'm certainly not going to turn cameras on and stuff like that, particularly yesterday, for example, when I was in a airport lounge, you know, the last thing I want to, to, to be doing is to carry video camera stuff around. So mm. I, I suppose it might be good news um, uh, for them. But if I were YouTube, I would be doing this job properly and I would be um, going out and buying one of those companies and and um, strapping that, uh, that stuff into their, um, you know, into their workflow. Now, you did ask other people what they thought of this. What did they say to you? I did. I, I, of the responses that I got, and I think, you know, whenever you ask people, what do you think of this? And it's a really big platform. People are quite nervous about saying what they think in case somebody at the big platform reads it and uh, marks them down. Um, but, you know, I mean, one person w w was saying who's in Canada, uh, you know, what's the point of it only being in the US at the moment? They're totally fumbling a massive opportunity. Um, and if you remember, that's how Facebook launched. And that was a failure. That's how 
um, uh, Amazon Music launched. Uh, it was US only, and um, that still has to be, uh, that still has to be you know uh, uh, proven as a success. So you know that that wasn't particularly. Um, uh, good. Um, interesting to see that, um, you know, Bandrew Scott, uh, who um, talks about YouTube a lot on his podcast and on his YouTube channel, um, said it was very confusing. He doesn't understand how the ad-funded background listening thing is going to work for podcasters and all of that. So um, it's not actually very good and very positive news. And I think part of that is because YouTube have just basically thrown this at us. They've not been communicating with the podcast industry all the way through this. Um, and they've just basically thrown us his bone and say and said, be grateful. Um, here it is. And it's confusing because, of course, you end up having um, a, a messy experience because Google Podcasts is still going, even though they don't care about it enough to put it into Google Search anymore. The Google Podcasts app is still going to take part. So it's like Google messaging all over again. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry I'm not sounding a bit more positive about it, and perhaps I should be. No, I mean, I think it's just a reflection of what I suppose was 12 months of, of expectation and, and then outcomes fundamentally a, a little bit of a damp squib, right? So I think that's what you're mm. reflecting in. They had the opportunity to do something pretty major uh, and they've chosen to do something pretty minor. Oh, well, let's wait and see. We've got other weeks. Uh, I'm sure that there'll be conversations at Podcast Movement about it. And, uh, you know, when we get our hands on it properly... I'm sure we'll be able to make a better judgment. I mean, the, you know, there are a few people who are doing some nice tools. Uh, Transistor has just rolled out uh, embeddable YouTube videos within their podcast uh, website pages, uh, which is a nice thing. And um, interesting, I think, also to notice a steady little drip of podcast publishers who are doing extra things on YouTube. So uh, NPR, if you remember, about a month or so ago announced that they were going to pile a lot more stuff onto YouTube. They clearly knew that something was afoot. Uh, Cumulus Media has just launched a official podcast channel from um, from an angry radio broadcaster called Mark Levin or Mark Levine. Um, and um, that uh, channel on YouTube will contain a number of different segments from the uh, show. So, uh, you know, clearly stuff is going on, but, uh, you know, sadly not um, necessarily uh, stuff that um, seems to be exciting much of us in the podcast world. Mm. Let's move on, James, then from YouTube. Uh, Spotify. Mm. Now, again, just a little reflection back and then a little look forward. Um, we said goodbye to Max Cutler, but strangely this week, we're going to say hello again to Spotify Live and something called Spotify TikTokification. It's not going to do that with my teeth in again. Um, though, let's start off with <laughs> Max Cutler. Um, he said goodbye to... Uh, his time at Spotify, but he left a really interesting LinkedIn post. Did And I think you read it. I know I did. What were your thoughts? I mean, not only did I read it, but Max Cutler's personal PR person oh. emailed me and said, um, oh, uh, you, you know, Max has just posted this really interesting post on LinkedIn in case you wanted to link to it. <laughs> Max Cutler's own PR person. I went through all of the other work that this person um, has been involved with, and she's uh, spruiked uh, another Max Cutler um, uh, thing in the past, a book that Max Cutler has written, and has done nothing for Spotify. 
And you're there thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. But anyway, um, he talked a lot about uh, it's time for disruption. I'm excited about the future of media. Successful media companies, he said, won't be just about content. They will be built on the foundation of fandom and communities, which are set to shape the future of hashtag media in significant ways. Interesting that he should say that because Spotify very much hasn't got communities and fandom in there. Uh, Spotify has no comments has no form of, you know, um, uh, taking part in a larger group of uh, people. So um, so perhaps that's, um, uh, you know, something that uh, Max Cutler will be working on next. Uh, who knows? Yeah, again, another entrepreneur that uh, Spotify acquired that has jump the ship to go and start their own thing outside of Spotify. But uh, I did, I did, yeah, that bit you just read out, fandom and communities did prick my attention and I wonder what he's going to be doing there. Um, other people now are jumping into his space, aren't they, James? Who is it? So he has not been replaced, but Julie McNamara is going to be supervising the license exclusives, which is, I think, stuff like um, Joe Rogan. Uh, Brian Thoenson will be overseeing third-party content partnerships. Bill Simmons having more of a focus on podcast monetization. Um, now, if Bill Simmons is having a focus on podcast monetization, my understanding is that The Ringer, which Bill Simmons um, was uh, the big boss of, um, they have always said that they did not want to be exclusive on the Spotify platform. They wanted to make sure that they were still available everywhere because they felt that that was the right way of earning revenue. Now, if Bill Simmons is now looking at podcast monetization, perhaps that might mean a different plan in terms of where Spotify is going. And perhaps we see less exclusives and more just, um, you know, outright monetization through the Spotify audience network uh, and through the, you know, the megaphone and everything else. Yeah, I don't know him. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see from your perspective, um, whether they go broader or narrower in the future. But they have hit mm. 200 million subscribers. That's pretty cool. They they made a big PR noise, I thought, on LinkedIn this week. I already thought they'd hit that up number, but there you go. It was a big post that they put out. Woohoo! Um, Eddie's actually a big number, so I shouldn't go woohoo, really, should I? No, I should go well done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't be sarcastic about 200 million people, really, can you? Um, no. Now... But one thing that came back this week, which we thought was dead and is now alive, is uh, Spotify Live. It's come back as a exclusive for paid shows for paid premium subscribers. It's $9.99. It's your chance to talk to the artist, ask your burning questions and chat with other super fans. Now, I did think this was the exact thing they should have done with their acquisition that they made. Um and it seems that they're going to do it. Now, I can imagine if, you know, I don't know what, who your favourite singer is, Kylie Minogue, James. But if uh, she was doing a, uh, a live... <laughs> Racist. <laughs> whoever your favourite artist was was doing a live, would you jump on and pay your nine ninety nine? I mean, uh, you know, maybe. I mean, I think it's interesting. There's a, there's a nine ninety nine. you know. Uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily say for how long it is. It's a live listening party hosted by somebody with an inexplicable name. Um, and you get to listen to music and hear behind-the-scenes stories. 
And uh, you also have a chance to talk to the artist, to ask your burning questions and to chat with other super fans. Well, maybe this is going back to what's, what Max Cutler was talking about in terms of um, community. Maybe that's uh, part of it. I mean, to me, it looks like we've got this tool. We should be, um, uh, we've got this tool that we spent quite a lot of money on, by the way. Um, and so therefore, perhaps we should be using it for um, for things that we can do. And uh, this seems like a sensible plan, yeah, as, uh, as you say. So I think, um, uh, I think it makes sense from a revenue generation point of view. And I can certainly see, you know, if you were a big fan of a particular artist, being able to have something that is pretty exclusive um, is a good thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, with, with album launches, they've done uh, editor's cuts. You know, when you watch films they have the editor's cut who tells you what's going on and talks around around the background and people want to buy those uh, and i can imagine somebody launching an album going right well i'll talk you through the album and why i did this track and you know blah 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 and people would yeah mm. i think people would do that so uh, again i can't be sarcastic about something i probably would want to jump onto if say bruno mars was doing it so you know there you go now, Bruno Mars. the other thing, well, this is still in beta Spotify Live, so don't expect to see it in your player anytime soon, yeah. but that's what they're testing currently. Now, they're testing something else, which is a Spotify are using a TikTokification um, UI. What do I mean by that? They've created a vertical scrolling slide in the mobile app so that you can scroll up and see tracks and albums and they've even done it so it works with podcasts thankfully normally podcasts are never touched but this way from the ui that we've seen hat tip to chris messina friend of the show that you can actually now quickly vertically scroll uh, through a number of podcasts and then if you like one of them you can click play and uh, off you go what do you think of that one then, James? Yeah, and it sounds very exciting and it sounds vaguely reminiscent of something that, um, if you remember, we actually talked about a year ago. Um, the end of March uh, last year, uh, Spotify actually had this brand new uh, podcast interface. It had that uh, nice vertical scrolling. It had live captions for all shows and there was a way of actually seeing it. It was called Podcast Clips and the way of seeing it um, we actually put into the Pod News newsletter on March 31st, 2022, if you want to go back um, and uh, take a peek. So 11 months later, they've actually launched it, not just for podcasting, but for music as well. Well, they haven't launched it. Oh, yes. Well, they haven't They haven't launched it yet, have they? They're still, they're still playing around with it. Gosh. To be, a, to be a product manager at uh, Spotify, can you imagine how frustrating it must be? <laughs> well, hey, can you imagine the guy who got through the, the other change? Hearts are out and plus signs are in. Woohoo! Uh, he must have been dancing around the floor getting that one through the... Uh... Oh, he must have been, yes. Uh, the like button has gone, the add for to playlist button has gone, and instead there is a plus sign. Uh, instead. So so there's a thrill. I mean, any of this testing and trying out new features is a great thing. Spotify being as large as it is, it will, of course, get an awful lot of, um, of write-up of whatever it is that they actually test. Uh, but this looks like a nice, uh, a nice tool. So many congratulations to them on that, at least. Uh, I think that looks good. Although they are doing weird and wonderful stuff with NFTs, aren't they, Sam? 
I know the rolling eyes of many will be seen or heard. Um, I don't know if you can hear rolling eyes, but anyway. Um, Spotify is testing a token-enabled music playlist, a.k.a. NFTs. Great. Go on then, James, take it apart, and then I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) Well, you can connect your wallets to um, uh, holders of non-fungible tokens so you can listen to created mu- uh, curated music. Um, currently, the service is available to token holders within the Fluff, Moonbirds, Kingship and Overlord communities. That's nice. And... Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I can see you're rushing out straight away to get your Missy Elliott and Snoop Doggy Dogg links yes. and NFTs, aren't you? I can what see do you, it now. What do you think of all of this? Well, I, I, I think NFTs are a little bit dated. I, I could imagine this is uh, somebody in uh, Spotify within the corporate wards has had an overlook and seen, oh, something interesting over there called an NFT and tried to uh, crowbar it in. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> here I am struggling to be... Uh, interested in this. I guess the only interesting sort of side on this is that um, they only enabled it on an- for Android users, not iOS users. And it was only available in um, a few different countries, the US, the UK, Germany, Australia and New Zealand. Um, and um, so there's two interesting things in there. Firstly, those countries. I'm imagining that there's some form of um, legal um, uh, thing why those countries were chosen, uh, perhaps. Um, I think the inclusion of Germany is interesting because, um, uh, you know, clearly that, that that's not an English-speaking market. Uh, whereas the rest of them are. Uh, the exclusion of Canada is all, is also interesting to have a look at uh, too. So there may well be laws and rules around uh, virtual wallets in this way. The other thing, of course, is that uh, Android only, and I wonder whether that was just purely um, a uh, an issue with um, having the engineering resource to uh, only stick it in the Android app, or whether it was a thing where Apple were basically looking at this and going, we will not approve anything that has a wallet in there um, from you, Spotify. Thank you very much. So I don't know what, uh, you know, what the reason um, is for that, but I just think it, you know, interesting to see Android users only, which makes a change, um, and available in those five countries only, which is uh, four more countries than YouTube. Yeah. Well, James, we're okay. We've got a new sponsor, according to Spotify, CarMax. Tell me what you did. Yes, according to Spotify, we have a sponsor called CarMax, which um, I don't even know who CarMax are. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think that that's an an interesting and exciting thing. So when you look at uh, the uh, Pod News Weekly review within Spotify, then you see that we've got a sponsor called CarMax. CarMax's Love Your Car Guarantee is their way of helping you buy a car that truly fits your life with a 30-day money-back return and 24-hour test drive. It's at CarMax.com. Is that is that how we get our money from uh, Spotify? We just we just look at who who they want us to promote. Was that a host red ad? Yeah, I, I I've got no idea. But anyway, uh, thank you, Spotify. I'm looking forward 
to the money for that bit. Well, thank you to Kevin Finn for spotting it first as well, by the way. Yes, it's slightly embarrassing when our actual sponsor that actually pays us money <laughs> sponsors <laughs> the fact that we've got a different sponsor within uh, Spotify. One of the things that I have promised Kevin is that I will ask Spotify what on earth is going on. Um, so uh, I am going to be doing that. Um, and uh, see if uh, I get any response back from uh, Spotify. It's not the first time that they've uh, given us a sponsor. If you remember, we also had a sponsor of some dreadful um, whiskey-type thing. Uh, what was it? Turkey? Wild turkey? Yeah, the, it had something to do so, with turkeys uh, and whiskey, which is a never a good combination in anyone's world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, certainly in my experience, it's not. <laughs> anyway, uh, time to move indeed, on, I think. Time indeed. Uh, last week, we talked about Steve Pratt X uh, Pacific Content coming up with a really interesting idea about attention is a scarce commodity. Most posts don't generate much traction, which leads to more frantic tactics to draw attention. He was highlighting the fact he didn't think most podcast marketing worked and that uh, lasting attention requires different things thinking. So I thought, why don't I reach out to Steve Pratt and find out what he's doing today? He's called an attention strategist and what his thoughts are on this new idea of earning attention. What is an attention strategist? Let's start with that first. Well, can I just say, I love that you started with that because I was kind of like, well, if I just put myself down as like consultant or something like that, it'll be like, oh, there's like a zillion of those. <laughs> but maybe if I have an interesting title that reflects what I'm actually doing and just make up my own title based on what I'm doing, maybe that will actually earn attention. So I'm like, oh, good. You have attention strategist. Uh, yeah, good. Well Phew. done, sir. It worked. <laughs> uh, can I also just say that uh, I'm slightly daunted because I realized that I've got this title that you just said, like attention strategist or my focuses on how to earn attention that I feel like there's an enormous pressure for me to be enormously entertaining in our interview today. So I may have backed <laughs> myself into a corner. I feel like, you know, I don't want to show up in a clown hat or something like that, but I, uh, I'm going to do my best to, to be valuable today. <laughs> to start off with, first and foremost, you are an attention strategist. Well, let's define that. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, the way I think about attention strategists is helping other people learn how to earn attention more effectively. I think a lot of the stuff that I've seen you know, and this is not by any means exclusive to podcasting. I would say the entire content marketing ecosystem is people are, you know, somewhat selfish in, in a lot of the things of why they're putting them out without thinking enough about the audience and where you're creating value to be able to actually earn time and attention. Over and over again, I think, you know, in an infinite sea of content, the message has to be, what is the th way that I can create significant value for people where, you know, I'm not just getting them to try something out, but when they try it out, it's so good that they keep going and stick it out and subscribe and come back again and tell other people about it because it's worthwhile. It's a really high bar to earn attention, but that's kind of the only, like it's a tough message, but it's also the only message that matters because I think there's so many people trying to do shortcuts and tricks. And again, whether it is, using AI to do your podcast or your marketing for you. Everyone's trying it. Yeah. I feel like the call is just lead with your empathy and values and think about the other people and set yourself a very high bar for quality to be able to actually be something special that's worth talking about. So that's what I try and help people, people do. And I, I think in some ways I've spent my whole career doing that, you know, in a variety of different media contexts. And I think that when I was at Pacific content, that was the big bar that you have to get every client over. I think there's always, you know, for a brand putting out content, there's an extra level of skepticism because the assumption is that 
somebody's trying to trick you into selling you something or somebody's trying to you know, somehow hoodwink you that are like, oh, it may sound like a good podcast, but there's got to be a gotcha somewhere. Have to be extra good to overcome that skepticism and make something that's really worth earning attention. And when you do that, oddly, it might even be a lower bar by just making a good show that's generous. People will talk about it because it's unusual for a brand to make something that is generous for an audience and is patient enough to wait to get the return on the investment. Well, everyone believes there's no one's giving anything away for free. That's the problem. I have a favourite expression, nothing is free, it's at my expense. And so I guess when somebody's trying to grab your attention and trying to earn your attention, you're going, hang on a minute, bat signals up. What do they want? What, what do they really want? Well, I think even on the flip side of that, it's also interesting, this, you know, from a, somebody who's putting content out into the world, nothing's free. Time and attention is the most valuable commodity out there. And to think about, like, if I really want to earn that, I've got to step up and be great. Because, like, there, again, there's everybody wants it. How am I going to be the one that actually earns it? And when their radar is up and you know that the audience's radar is up, the shortcuts and the cheat codes don't work. So this brings me to two questions. One, you had an epiphany moment when you came across this. What was that epiphany moment? I think it was just that I had been living in the podcasting world like really like very deep for eight or nine years at Pacific content. And I knew this was a truth about how we approached content strategy. I just don't, I, th I think from having left and had some time off, I kind of, you know, zoomed back out to, you know, 40,000 feet. And I was trying to think like, what, what is it that is unique about the way that I think about content strategy? And it came down to values is that, I truly believe like doing the right thing and having generosity and having empathy is the secret to making great content. And, you know, there's also a piece around really thinking about differentiation and what's going to be unusual or surprising, you know, for an audience member, but again, not in a gotcha way, something where it actually has to pay off with some real value in the end. And I read a couple of articles where it was like, here's how to grab attention or how to steal attention or capture attention, you know, or hijack attention. And, you know, I think even though there's some good ideas in the universe of growth hacker marketing, it all just felt very selfish with the language of it. And I thought, oh, you know, if I lean into the value side, that's where earning attention comes from. And I, when I kind of first had the thought of earning attention. I was like, oh, this this actually is the unifying theme around all my work and all my career around what's actually made success for, you know, my own career, but also for a lot of clients in uh, the podcast space. You also talked about delayed gratification. Tell me more. Well, I think in the end, people say like, well, why should I earn attention? And any business outcome that you want. And there's, you could be as a publisher with, you know, looking to sell advertising. You could be a podcaster trying to grow your audience to the point where you get to be able to sell advertising. You could be a brand looking to change the way people think about your brand or get people to eventually become a customer. There's a zillion different reasons why you might put out a podcast, for example. But at the core of it, people won't do any of those things until they trust you. And trust takes time. And I think, you know, to, to our point earlier, when you come in with a point of skepticism or you're worried that somebody is trying to get something for you, your radar is up and you have to prove that you're worth time and attention by being great over time. And 
So, you know, I think the earning attention is a piece. The consistency over time is a piece that builds trust. And when you have trust, then you have a relationship with people and people want to do things with people they have relationships with and people tell other people about relationships they've got or when they trust somebody and think something is great when something's earned their attention. That's where word of mouth comes from and the good things. Uh, again, I, th I think we're in a period of very short term thinking and it's actually leaning into the long term and the patience to get what we want. You know, I, in one of the newsletters I put out, I kind of used the example of the marshmallow test as is this famous Stanford experiment with children where it was like, you know, you can have one marshmallow right now, or if you can hold off eating the marshmallow for 15 minutes, you get two marshmallows. You know, I, I'm not sure where the current science is on whether it is fully debunked or accurate, but the, the ones who waited for 15 minutes for the second marshmallow, A, got the second marshmallow, but also displayed skills that were really valuable later on in life and determined where they went in their life. And I think that actually applies to everything in content creation and marketing and all of it as well. The delaying the gratification and doing the hard work now for a future payoff totally works. So if I can earn attention and I can do that through trust, are they the only two ways that I can do it? I look at somebody like Mr. Beast. I just looked at his numbers, 136 million subscribers on YouTube. Is that a over time gained trust so that the attention that he gains is given because they accept that the value of the product he delivers is high? Or is that just a stunt? Is he just a, somebody can throw money at the problem and actually is that a way around getting someone's attention just throw money and that's that fixes it so i i think mr beast is such an interesting example i'm glad you brought it up because i think he does two things really well a and i think you're right on both counts like I, I think he has earned attention over time by being consistently great but the way that he's great is by being unexpected and like and i think that he counters a lot of the thinking that you know he takes all the money that he makes on it and pours it into even more and more extravagant videos. And there's always this element with a Mr. Beast video of like, what is he going to do next? And I remember this from the Howard Stern movie, Private Parts. Uh, you know, it, it just as we're leaning into audio, uh, one of the program directors, I think, so one of the characters is like, why does he do so well? And it's like, everybody wants to know what's he going to do next. And so they don't leave. They stick around whether they love him or they hate him. They want to know what's he going to do next. And... I think Mr. Beast is kind of the same way. It's, uh, you know, I'm sorry to just keep talking about things that I've written for my newsletter, but I, I wrote one this week about, about being unexpectedly great. And I think that that's the magic combo is that it, when it's unexpected, it kind of breaks a pattern. And that's what actually earns your attention is that if it's just the same as everything else out there, won't actually, you know, get you to try that first click or that first, oh, I wonder what this is about. Things that are unusual or surprising or unexpected break patterns and get you curious. And I think a lot of the short-term thinking just leaves you like that and leaves you with no solution or resolution or anything like that. I think the ones that actually pay off and deliver on the surprise or the unexpectedness and help you have a new insight or tell you a great story or provide closure, that's where you get the unexpectedly great is you actually close the loop. And if you do that over time, I think that's Mr. Beast. And I think I think that's a wonderful model to solve. And it doesn't have to be shocking stunts, but I think he's found his thing. And oddly, I think he also has a lot of really wonderful human values in it that he's giving a lot of stuff away and changing people's lives and a lot of human emotion stuff that works really well for earning attention too. Yeah. Now, 
bringing it back to podcasting a little bit, because obviously Pod News is a podcasting podcast. Is that very meta? I feel very meta right now. James, with his daily podcast, I think is somebody who consistently and persistently has done for years a really great job of delivering a quality piece of content day in, day out. I think he's earned people's trust and I think that's reflected in his numbers. So is that a good example of someone who's earned people's attention and trust? Yes, 100%. So I uh, I love James and I love Pod News. And I think James is very conscious of the amount of time and attention he is taking up every day. And that there's a trade-off between daily and the amount of time that you have. And I always get the sense that James gives me the stuff that I need to know and is not going to pad it with stuff that is a waste of my time and attention. And I always feel like when I put my time into listening, I get the stuff that I want out of it in a very efficient manner. And I also get it in uniquely James's voice. There's always a James element in the writing of it, which I look forward to every day. It is, it is not dry corporate yeah. speak or industry. It's not, it is not an industry white paper every day. It's, it is a fun, fast, here's everything you need to know. So he, he ticks all boxes. I will say, I, does every single day surprise me in an unexpected way? No, but I think a lot of the stuff that he chooses to focus on and the way that he chooses the, the lead story and things like that, he determines the narrative for a lot of the podcast industry, or at least taps into the narrative of the podcast industry and helps everybody, you know, kind of get on the same page and know what's going on. I think that's a really valuable use of time and attention, and he does a great job of it. So what's a bad example? Is Joe Rogan a bad example then? Four or five hours of rambling speech with somebody that doesn't focus, it just sort of goes along, but he happens to do very well in terms of his audience numbers. Is that a bad example of someone who's earned our attention or he's earned people's attention? I can't say I've ever watched Joe Rogan. And he's earned their trust because he's been persistent over time and Spotify's trust because he earned 200 million. Does that qualify as a good example of earned attention? I think it's a great example of earned attention. I think that this is a really key piece of this is that it depends on who you're trying to reach. And you're not going to like when you make something for everybody, you're not really making something for anybody. And I think that you could look at any big podcast and know that some people are going to absolutely love it and some people are not going to love it and not understand why the people who love it. The fact that Joe Rogan can put out episodes that long and get the size of audience that he's got and be able to have the amount of time and attention spent with him would say that he knows his audience really well and does a great job earning their attention. Like, I don't know if there's, honestly, I don't know if there's any other creators on the planet that could get the amount of time and attention of people signing up for two or three hour episodes on a regular basis. And I, you know, I think about some of the other big long ones, the uh, hardcore history, like those episodes take an enormous amount of time to be able to earn that kind of time and attention. But Joe Rogan's doing it several times a week, two very different models, two very different, you know, styles of production. And they both work for totally different audiences and they both have massively different resources and formats and all those sorts of things. So um, I think the key is you may not understand why it earns attention from some people or why other people don't understand why you love the shows that you love. But if you're targeting the right people and you understand how to create value for those people, I think about this in terms of like a big mainstream, something for everybody as more of a traditional media 
mindset because you know you're trying to aggregate the absolute largest audience possible to sell the most number of ads and i think it kind of softens a lot of the content you know where if you want to make it for more and more people it, it becomes less special and it's something that you like mm -hmm. more than you love but the, the more that you focus it on a very specific group of people and you're the only person delivering that sort of stuff or one of the only people or the best person delivering that sort of thing, people love it. And when you can tap in and create that extra value that people love the thing because you're the only one putting it out, that's where you get massive time and attention. And I think Joe Rogan has been one of the few people who has been able to do that at a pretty significant scale. Yeah, Kevin Kelly called it the, the 1,000 true fans, finding your audience, right? And I, I, guess, I love that article. I've been such a fan of that since it came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Okay, so I'm a brand new podcaster and I've come to see you, Steve. You're an attention strategist and I need your help. What are you going to recommend I do? I would recommend a number of different things. So one, figure out why are you doing this? What is the actual desired outcome for your, your podcast? Because knowing why you're doing it will answer almost everything else. Know who you're doing it for. Again, not for everybody, but knowing who the people are and what do you know about them. Looking around at what else is out there that they are already spending their time and attention on and who's your competition in that space. And figuring out what you're going to do that's going to be different. I think differentiation is such a big piece of this. And, you know, in some ways you know, looking at your own strengths or your own expertise or your own beliefs or your own values and where those overlap with the audience you're trying to serve and the subject you want to talk about or the area you want to explore, you have to figure out something that is going to be uniquely you that is going to create value on the other side that is also going to help you achieve your your goal. And that that's the hard strategy part is actually, you know, the then diagram overlap between <laughs> why I'm putting this out and why other people are going to love it and listen to it and tell other people about it. When you can find that nice overlap piece, that's the magic spot where you have a big success on both sides. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about negotiating and things like that, you always look for like the win-win situation. You have to look for the win-win where it's not just a win for you, but it is a massive win for the audience. And when, when you feel like you've got that, I would say that's when you can actually start thinking about putting a podcast out, but don't, don't do it until you actually have the strategy piece of where the value comes from. Okay. So the famous saying is what doesn't get measured doesn't matter. So how do I measure earned attention? I think it's a, it's a great question. I actually think, and you know, and I, I'm biased on this because I think from my background at Pacific content, we've talked about this for a, a long time, but I think a lot of the numbers that a lot of podcasting uses are not necessarily good markers for time or attention or value creation. A focus on downloads or on, you know, if you're doing an ad campaign on reach are really just about blanket numbers of how many people, but it doesn't actually tell you whether once they clicked on it, whether they liked it or not. And so I, I very much like the idea of measuring time as a marker for attention. You know, we used to look at completion rates in Apple and Spotify and show those to, to clients to say like, here, here's how your podcast is actually doing. If you can get, you know, 85, 90, 95% of your audience through a half hour episode, you're doing a phenomenal job on earning people's time and attention. It's a marker for editorial quality and whether you're actually creating value for them or not. And if you, you know, you can learn all sorts of stuff looking at time and attention, 
in your metrics. If everybody leaves, you know, like 50% of your audience leaves in the first minute, doesn't sound like a very interesting episode. How, however, you've set it up, not super interesting. Yeah, not um, <laughs> my friends at Bumper, Dan Meisner and Jonas Woos just put out the idea of listen time and a, a way to calculate mm -hmm. listen time for your podcast. I think it's really smart as a way to say, let's talk about how much time people are giving us as a way to measure whether what we're putting into the world is valuable or not. I think it's really smart. And you know, YouTube has watch time. I think there's, uh, I know you built a tool to measure time yeah, and attention on the web a while ago. 16 so, years ago. Yeah, like it's, oh. uh, yeah. So I, anyways, I think think that as a substitute, you know, like that we should be leaning more into time and a, time measurement and engagement is a bigger value of how, how we think about success of podcasts because man, that's one of the superpowers of audio compared to almost every other medium. I don't know where else you can get, you know, on average, a half hour of people's full attention and time on an ongoing basis. You sure can't get that on, on YouTube or on social media or, you know, any other platform. So if we move forward, then earning attention is what we try. Everyone's trying this game, though, right? Everyone is trying it. Is it just a time thing? Is there a short circuit to getting more attention, I suppose, is my question. Well, you know what? I think a short circuit, and if you mean like, a, is there a faster route to doing it or a secret formula to doing it? I think it's what everybody wants. And the, the unpleasant answer I'm giving is, no, you actually have to figure out how to create value and it, you have to do it consistently over time to earn trust and earn relationships. And that means you have to really bust your butt to put out something great. You know, I, I think just when you're talking about downloads and, you know, as a metric, it kind of plays into this because I think there's this, there's a, a really tough tension in podcasting because it's all CPM based advertising. The best way to make more money is to put out more episodes and to produce them really efficiently. And to me, that's almost like an invitation to make content that is not worth people's time and attention as much as fewer things better. But fewer things better, you know, I look at all the, you know, like every show Serial has made, everybody waits for it, but it takes years to make one of those things and it's not as good a business. And I think in some ways, if I looked at the amount of time and attention that each episode of something from Serial Productions gets, it must dwarf everything else in the entire industry out there, but we don't have a way to actually value that and monetize that. And I think that's the business problem that I think podcasting hopefully will figure out how to solve. Because if, you know, if I wanted to connect to an audience and, you know, I would put my time and attention into figuring out how can I reach the serial audience rather than the ones that are putting out five, six, seven episodes a day at a huge amount where the quality is not as high. Now, look, in my head, I've, I've got the idea. I've got, I need people to listen. So the number of people to listen to my podcast, I need them to listen for a longer period of time, listen time. So first of all, I need to earn their attention so that they come to it. Then I need them to listen for a period, which is a measurement I can put in place. The last bit I want to do, which is a metric that I'm really keen on, is something Adam Curry has been driving called value for value. Now, micropayments, when I first started on the internet years ago, bluff, 30 odd years ago, gosh, yes, really that long. There was no micropayment system, right? And hearts and sentiments, I've said this many times, were the only way, and then advertising was the only way to monetize. 
well, that's changed with Satoshis and micropayments of Bitcoin and that value for value. Is is that also a really good way of measuring the value of the attention someone applies? I'm prepared to give you streaming sats. I'm prepared to pay attention, literally in this case, pay attention for the whole of your episode. So the longer I pay attention to, the more I pay in value for value. Do you think that's ultimately the best measurement of someone's attention, the amount they're willing to pay you in a micropayment? I don't know if it's the best for everybody, but I think it's a really smart way of thinking about it for certain use cases or business cases. The idea of value for value, like the principles behind it, I think are wonderful because, you know, in in some ways, uh, if I want to charge you more than you're willing to pay, I'm not creating enough value for you. And that's a great signal to say, like, I should really double down and think more about why you're not willing to pay that much, you know. But I, I would say the, the why I say it's not a, maybe a universal thing is that it's assuming that it is a listener paying a creator. And there's a lot of different reasons to make podcasts or to put content in the universe that are not that direct one-to-one creator support model. Um, like I said, there's a lot of different reasons, a lot of different potential outcomes why you may want to make a podcast. But in principle, the idea of thinking about value for value all the time and are there ways to measure that? And maybe some of those might be measuring your time that if you're not getting the time, you're not creating the value either, that maybe the value for value is I'm putting something out there and I get a 95% completion rate on every episode. That probably says a lot about the value for value you're you're creating. Even if you make no money from it. Yeah, I mean, but I guess in some ways making money from it, it's not the only reason people make podcasts. Anyways, I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but I think in a certain context, it's really smart and it makes a ton of sense. And the principle, you, you should be thinking about that all the time as a creator is... How can I create enough value that it's going to return to me at some point in some way, shape or form by being awesome over time and building the trust and the relationships? Attention strategist, hey, that's worked. Got my attention. Steve Pratt. Uh, Let's see what the completion rate is on this one. Well, uh, who knows? You let me know. Okay. <laughs> hundred percent. Always going to be a hundred percent. Where can I find out more about this though? Tell me. Uh, creativity-business.com is my website and I have a sub stack that you can see on there that like a newsletter that's free. I write a lot about how to earn attention every couple of weeks. So yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. And if they want you, let's be up to trend. Are you on Mastodon or are you still on Twitter? Where are you, Steve? I'm on Twitter at Steve Pratt CA, which is Canada, not a chartered accountant. Yeah, I'm on there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> for now we'll see yeah so he's you're not paying attention over there where do you pay attention then you know what honestly i like podcasts i like audiobooks i like reading i think i'm in a phase where i like i i don't like a lot of shallow uh stuff like i i like meaty stuff i like learning i have high amount of curiosity so i go for the bigger stuff and then when i need a break i sadly probably on tiktok much so you snack on tiktok yeah exactly okay. yes yeah <laughs> Steve Pratt, so nice to have met you finally. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas and uh, sharing a beer with you. Thanks so much, Sam. I can't wait too. See you next week. The very excellent Steve Pratt from uh, Vancouver in Canada, one of the best places to live, apparently, although whenever I've been there, it's been quite cold and rainy. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing Steve at uh, Podcast Movement Evolutions next week as well, where I know he's coming because uh, I have drinks with him at one point. So uh, very much looking forward to uh, uh, seeing him. He's one of those really infectious 
positive people. Um, he, he never has a bad word to say about anybody, or if he does, he then follows it up with two very, very positive things. <laughs> so uh, very much looking forward to uh, to seeing him there. Yeah, we, um, we probably have a different opinion on, on this, don't we, I think, James? I think I'm very positive on the idea that listen time and attention as a metric, if it can be evolved, I don't think it's fully baked, but if it can be evolved, mm. uh, maybe a better way of measuring value from podcasting than downloads. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from my point of view is I, I put together a show which is four minutes long every day. Um, and I wonder whether Pod News, which is four minutes every day, is a less valuable listen than this show, which is about 150 minutes every week. <laughs> and, and growing. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not quite that long, is it? It's about, it's yes. about 80 minutes. But yes, um, uh, you know, uh, f- from my point of view, I don't want to see, and this is one of the problems with streaming sats, streaming sats um, and listen time both reward you for being flabby and for not editing out um, bits of your podcast that don't work. And the aim of the game, particularly if you're being paid by the minute, as Streaming Sats does, then the aim of the game is to keep people listening for as long as possible. Whereas my aim of the game is to give people the best possible value that they can possibly get in the shortest possible time. So listen time or indeed Streaming Sats actually penalises me for doing a good editing job. And I'm not necessarily... A massive fan of that bit. So, um, you know, mm. I, I think you've got that kind of side of it. I, I, can I throw one one curveball back at you then on that, just very quickly? Go on then. So if the streaming sats was 100 sats per minute, and yes, you're right, a longer podcast would have a perceived longer value, maybe 6,000, 7,000 sats for the whole show because it was longer, say 60 minutes. But if I only consumed... Yeah. 10 or 15 minutes of that show, that's all I would pay. I wouldn't pay that full amount because I wouldn't perceive the value of that show. So making the show flabbier and longer doesn't mean that I pay more. It just means that I jump or skip or whatever to the parts that I find interesting and I just consume. Indeed. Secondly, yeah. Yeah, indeed. you as the host can change that value proposition. So there's two sides to it. So you might say, actually, you know what, 100 sats per minute? No. Mine is only four minutes long, but I think the value I give is a thousand sats per minute and you could charge a greater amount. Of course, then it comes down to the user or listener to say, yes, I fully agree with you. Your show is worth more than a hundred sats per minute and actually a thousand sats per minute for a four minute show is exactly what I want to pay. I'm just saying that the amount is not fixed. So therefore the amount of time is not the only metric. So you can increase the amount of streaming sats per minute, i.e. the value on one side, because the value received on the other side is much greater for a four-minute show than it is for an hour and a half show. Well, yes, I I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it all comes down to how you get rewarded for that attention that um, your audience is giving you. And um, so, I, I, you know, I think that there's certainly something to be said for listen time. I think there's certainly something to be said for downloads as well. And perhaps the, the answer is it's somewhere in the middle. I think so. I think a beer with Steve, you, me and him, and a few others might come up with the answer. Who knows? Now, talking about where you are in the world, Australia seems to be doing lots and lots of things. You were on a plane somewhere, I think, to yes. Sydney to go and see an event. 
Tell me more what you were up to. It's truth, mate. Yes, I went down to uh, Sydney. Um, it's getting better, that Australian accent. It's almost as if I've lived here for six years. It is, yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. Um, so I went down to the IAB Australia um, Audio Summit, which was really interesting. Lots of uh, entertaining people there, lots of um, fans of the show, which was nice. Um, and uh, one of the announcements there was um, uh, CEO Ford Ennals of Commercial Radio and Audio, the company that used to be called Commercial Radio Australia, they uh, announced three more people that will be joining the Australian podcast ranker. There's uh, um, one podcast publisher called The Squiz. There's one podcast publisher called Shameless Media. You probably don't care about those. The one that we do care about is the ABC, which is the biggest podcaster in this country. And they will be joining the Australian podcast ranker, so I understand, in the next few months which is very exciting because that um, basically means that the Australian podcast ranker will actually be worth something now because it will actually have all of the very big podcasters in it. Um, so that's uh, nice. I did speak to uh, Henrik at uh, Acast, who was uh, hanging around outside afterwards. And uh, Henrik is actually uh, um, was keen to um, say that... Um, Acast was not against these sorts of rankers. Um, that, that, that's very different from saying he's going to join. But <laughs> he was also saying that Acast isn't against them, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, there was also a piece of um, research unveiled by the IAB Australia, um, the Audio Advertising State of the Nation report, um, which basically said that uh, lots of advertising agencies have been using podcast advertising regularly, 70% of them, which is up from 36% in 2020. And overall, the uh, money that's been pouring into podcasting in this country um, is uh, 55 million US dollars in 2022, um, which is a pretty good amount of uh, money for a country that only has 29 million people in it. Um, the overall ad market saw a nice growth in the first six months last year, 15%, and still a growth in the second half of the year, 4%. Um, and I suspect that that's what we're seeing in a bunch of other territories as well. Um, big increases in the first half of 2022, um, smaller increases or indeed, you know, standing still in the last half of uh, 2022. And we'll see what happens uh, this year. There you go. In People News, um, in Canada, Roger's own Pacific content is to restructure. Layoffs are expected there. Layoffs are also expected at iHeart Podcasts. And NPR, which is interesting, uh, they are losing 10%, 100 people of their work workforce due to a $30 million projected revenue shortfall for this year. And the CEO specifically cited NPR podcasts as being a part of the uh, company which was not doing as well as it could be doing. Um, I think possibly because there was a point a couple of years ago where NPR podcasts were essentially bankrolling the entire company. Um, they were doing phenomenally well and um, now maybe not so much as the advertising market uh, softens. Um, but uh, yeah, not uh, good. But it's not all bad news. Um, there is some uh, good news. Nick Panella has joined uh, APA, which is a talent agency. He's launching a new podcast and audio division there. Diana Martinez has taken on the role of podcast relations director at Sonoro. Um, Brittany Hall is joining Sounder 
as Vice President of Sales and Client Success. Uh, and there's a new editor at Australian women's brand uh, Mamma Mia, Elfie Scott, who's been appointed uh, as uh, editor there. And Mamma Mia doing uh, a load of really good uh, podcasts as well. Uh, so it's not all bad news. And in fact, there's quite a lot of jobs available too. Pod News has podcasting jobs across the industry and across the world, and they're free to post at podnews.net slash jobs. The tech stuff, tech stuff on the Pod News Weekly Review. Yes, it's the stuff you'll find every Monday in the Pod News newsletter. And here's where we do all of the uh, tech talk. What's new in tech this week, Sam? Mammoth is a brand new iPhone app from Bart Deckram. Uh, he's on Mastodon at Bart at moth.social. Um, it's interesting only for me because uh, Mozilla have invested heavily into it. Uh, so, yeah, not sure how much they've invested, but it's interesting to see that Mozilla are getting their teeth into Mastodon. Yes, and Mozilla are, um, I think, uh, very interested in the whole world of podcasting as well. And, if, uh, um, and, and you know, I ended up having a, a good chat with one of the Mozilla people uh, today as well. They see something uh, really in, interesting in the decentralised world of podcasting. Uh, podcasting and I'm uh, hoping that they uh, perhaps invest a little bit into the podcast index um, and also hoping that they um, you know I mean maybe ha- having a look at um, at uh, apps as well that would be really interesting too um, so good to uh, hear from them uh, that's not the only um, bit of social media uh, stuff uh, Blue Sky has uh, hit the app store as an invite only app now Blue Sky is one of those uh, things that um, is a another social media platform. Um, It's backed by Jack Dorsey. Rather irritatingly, it doesn't use ActivityPub. It's using a completely separate thing. Um, So who knows what's going to happen with that. But, um, you know, again, uh, that that is also brand new. Have you you got an uh, an invite-only beta? I'm sure that you you know Jack. I'm sure, you know, you know everybody. So (laughs) Well, I'm following him on Mastodon. He followed me back. That that doesn't count. I'm following him on Nostr. And (laughs) it doesn't count. No, I've got him there as well. Yeah, no. He's not said hello. He's not even, you know, not dropped me a sat, nothing. Not a word, Jack. Um, But I went on and had a look. Um, Yeah, it is invite only. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, Benjamin Bellamy, friend of the show, gave us a little hat tip. He said there's a new podcast called Mumble, which is an open source, low latency, high quality voice chat. It came out of the gaming world, but he said Mumble allows you to record all your speakers and guests separately with one audio file per person and therefore it's actually being used by some people for recording podcasts. Yeah, which looks uh, exciting, although the website looks uh, very much like an open source product would do. Um, So it uh, pretty well instantly dives into uh, the new versioning scheme, which is their latest news. So that's important. Um, But you can use uh, Mumble for that. You can also, of course, use Discord for that as well. Um, I would recommend, um, if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, using CleanFeed, which uh, has a very generous free tier. Uh, you'll find that at cleanfeed.net. Uh, the two marks who run that um, do a really good job um, and they've uh, really worked hard on making that product work nicely. And again, you get one audio file per person uh, if you end up using that too. Now, another product that uh, you may know more about, James, than me is called Rumble Studio and they're internationalising. The user interface is now available in French and Spanish 
with more languages to come soon. Yeah, so this is a way of um, doing a podcast without your guest being live. So basically you ask them questions and then they sit and record the answers, um, which is uh, interesting. I've done a couple of Rumble podcasts um, and they're always um, a bit weird to do, but they kind of work quite nicely in my time zone. So uh, that's nice to end up uh, seeing. Uh, there's a new service called Pod Squeeze, which is yet another one of these um, AI uh, services which uh, generates show notes and timestamps and newsletters and blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's a new one called Podium, which, guess what, uses AI to produce show notes and transcripts and chapters and quotable moments. Uh, so that's all very exciting. Uh, Spreaker um, is doing something really interesting. Now, it is uh, Friday, so I can actually... Oh, can I actually say this? I'm not allowed to say the big announcement that Spreaker has quite yet, but I can tell you that Spreaker is offering transcriptions for podcasts, which is very exciting. They've partnered with a company called Music's Match. Um, I couldn't quite work out from their press release whether or not those transcriptions were free whether or whether it was just a partnership and and they you can buy transcriptions from music's match so i'm a little bit confused as to that um but it does use the podcast transcript feature and the json um uh, uh transcript format um so that it, it will appear in supporting podcast apps which may not be the supporting podcast apps that are supporting the srt files but anyway that's a whole open thing uh, but that's all very exciting and podbean too has announced support for transcripts last week they squashed that into their app and it works great on this very show which i tested it on so that's a nice thing yeah um in case you're wondering about pod squeeze and podium uh last night open ai announced the chat gpt api so fully expect a lot more companies to announce instant transcripts show notes chapters and clips for your podcasts open uh, podcast analytics service op3 uh, made a really big release uh, at the end of last week they released show stats pages so basically you can go and you can have a look at download stats and where people are downloading from and what people are using for loads of different podcasts now basically any podcast that has listed itself in op3 uh, now has uh, all of the uh, stats as well. And if you want to go and see some of those, um, then uh, you can uh, see them all on the Pod News website. You can just search for a podcast that is in OP3 uh, and you can uh, see their stats. So Pod News Daily, for example, is in uh, OP3. This show isn't, but Pod News Daily is. Um, so you can see our stats directly uh, from the Pod News uh, podcast page. Uh, also Buzzcast from our sponsors at Buzzsprout, uh, an excellent podcast you should go and, uh, and uh, have a listen to. To, um, and the numbers um, are there for that show as well, if you want to go and have a look at that, or for No Agenda, or for Podchat, or for Build Your SaaS, which is Justin at uh, Transistor's podcast, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's a bunch of different, um, different shows that you can actually go in and uh, see, and really good and quite affirming, actually, to be able to go in and go, oh, that's how many downloads, you know, Buzzsprout are getting for their show. That's how many downloads Pod News Daily is getting and so on and so forth. So really interesting seeing uh, how all of those are actually working. So remind me, because I still get confused by OP3, um, is this something that the individual host does to their RSS feed or is this something that the host provides or is this something that 
app provide, provide in order to enable OP3. This is something that you enable as a podcast publisher and you go to your hosting company and you add a prefix just as you would add a prefix for pod sites or for Chartable or for any of those other services. You can add a prefix to um, OP3 directly uh, from there. Uh, many uh, podcast uh, companies like uh, Captivate allow you to do that directly from the dashboard and uh, Captivate's data is uh, pre-filled for OP3. OP3 if you want to end up doing that. Other podcast companies like uh, Buzzsprout, for example, do support it, but you need to ask their supporting uh, staff to add that particular uh, analytics uh, tool for you, which is probably a good plan because it's very easy to completely mess up your podcast completely um, if you set that up wrongly. Um, but uh, yeah, anybody can actually set it up. And uh, at the moment, OP3 is entirely free. No idea how John is um, is uh, paying for it, um, but I'm catching up with him next week. So hopefully I will learn a little bit more. He's a Zoogler. He doesn't need to work anymore. <laughs> All Zooglers never work. Yes. Well, I, I, I think that may be the case, but <laughs> it would be nice, be nice to have a, a, a long-term plan there as well, wouldn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, moving on then. Uh, well done, John, by the way. Uh, new Conshacks dashboard has been announced. Dashboard version 0.3 was out. Uh, some changes in it. You can now create a Lightning wallet and get your podcast value for value ready with a few clicks. And you can also manage your splits. I didn't quite understand why, Moritz, and I had a long conversation with him, why you would want to use a uh, dashboard very similar to Saturn to start your splits uh, in your RSS feed. I couldn't quite see the, that, but maybe I'm missing the trick. James, any thoughts? It's all looking a bit fancy and a bit smart. Um, I'm I'm literally just uh, logging in now, so I can I, I'm, I'm actually having a quick peek. This is uh, this is from the Todd Cochran School of um, Podcast um, uh, Planning. <laughs> just ha having a look. I'm just I'm just typing here. I'm just having a look. Um, but it all looks uh, very cool. All, all looks very very smart. So uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, the UI is good, uh, and and I think the data is good. Um, I'm just a little confused as to why I would do a splits. I think I will tell you what's going on there. I think it's talking directly to the podcast, uh, to the podcaster wallet. Um, and um, I think it then allows you to um, uh, allows you to actually get that information into the uh, into the podcaster wallet, which quite a few uh, podcast apps end up using because it's quite difficult to add your splits to. Um, you know, to anything else. In fact, I can tell you that that's what's going on because for Pod News Daily, it won't let me change my splits. It says this podcast's value for value data is managed directly in its RSS feed, correct? Whereas Pod News Weekly Review, which is managed by the podcaster wallet, um, I can actually go in and uh, change them. So it's a nicer experience than the podcaster wallet uh, site, which is, um, you know, functional. Okay, well... This is the moment where uh, you tell me where you're going to be, which plane, which airport, which country. 
Go for it, James. Oh, well, yes, this is um, events coming up. Um, we'll have a jingle for this soon. Uh, I've, I've got it recorded and everything. Um, so podcast movement finally here. March the 7th uh, is when it starts. I'm actually getting into Las Vegas um, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so uh, looking forward to having a, a day of rest before the madness. Um, you are speaking, aren't you, on Wednesday, March the 8th at 11 in the morning. I am, yeah. I'm on stage with the guys from Albi and we're doing a live demo of Podfans. So if you want to see what Podfans is about, do make your way over to wherever the room is. Yeah, I don't know what room. But yeah, please make your way. Yeah, excellent. Um, I am taking part in a number of different things, including a panel session on Wednesday, March the 8th at 10 in the morning, uh, which you should probably come to. This very show is going to be live, live, live. Live from the keynote stage at Podcast Movement. On Thursday, March the 9th. Well, I think I should come to that one then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I should come to yes, that one. yes. Let, let's make sure that both of us go to that, um, yeah. which is on Thursday, March the 9th. It's on the big uh, keynote uh, stage at 12 midday. Um, we need to find some guests. We should probably talk afterwards. Um, I'm also unveiling the pod. I hear there's only standing room only though for it. Standing room. Yeah, only. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, I'm also doing the, the uh, pod news report card um, later on that day um, in uh, the big keynote session. I'm at present writing my jokes. I, I'm obviously, I haven't yet looked at the data, but I, at present I'm just writing my jokes. Um, and uh, I'm also doing something else on the Friday morning uh, as well. Uh, the Ambies, of course, uh, happening on the Monday night, just before Podcast Movement Evolutions. Um, and uh, if you are listening to this podcast, then you are invited, this is how it works, right, um, to the to our drinks at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Um, they are at BrewDog in Las Vegas on the Thursday night, starting at six uh, at night. Um, BrewDog is really easy to get to. Uh, just have a look on Google Maps, but you just jump on the, the monorail and away you go. Um, and uh, and uh, Adam Curry, much to his annoyance, is, uh, is uh, buying the beers, <laughs> thanks to his yes. uh, very generous sats and to Dave Jones' very generous uh, sats. He's buying some of the beers, although quite a lot of it will be a cash bar, just, just saying. Um, but uh, you're more than welcome to come down. Uh, it be wonderful to uh, see you just come and um, come down to the Brewdog uh, British pub um, uh, from six uh, in Las Vegas on the Thursday. Mm. What other events are going on after uh, podcast movement, James? Oh, there are lots of other events, uh, including uh, iHeart's Black Effect Podcast Festival, which is in April. Also, the Birmingham Podcast Festival 2023, that's in Birmingham, on the sec 22nd of April as well, uh, which is a Saturday. It's really cheap to go to that. It's about a tenner, so it's um, really cheap, so well worth uh, doing that. Um, Radio Days Europe is happening at the end of March as well, which I will also be at. And there's also the Publisher Podcast Awards in London on the 26th of April. And uh, there's Podfest Global, which is also happening, um, I think, towards the end of March. But uh, if you take a quick peek um, at uh, the listing in the Pod News website, then you will find out that it is free for you as a Pod News listener stroke reader. Just use the code Pod News and you'll save yourself $50 on us, which you, sh you can then send to us as a boost. Uh, that would be very kind. Uh, there's more of those uh, events going on, both paid for and free uh, at podnews.net slash events, including ours. 
Um, we will be doing Pod News Live in Salford in Greater Manchester on June the 13th, won't we, Sam? We will indeed, yes, at the Compass Rooms at the Lowry Theatre. Tickets are now available at podnews.net forward slash live. So go and grab a ticket if you can. And also, of course, we have the Pod News Live London event on the 27th of September. And yes, very excited. We've got some more speakers uh, announced. Um, I think we mentioned it last week, but I'm not 100% sure. So we've got Charlotte Newing, Head of Commercial from Mags Creative. Uh, we've got Helen Parker, the Managing Director from Chalk and Blade. Um, we've also got Kirsty Hunter, one of your fellow Antipodeans, who's a Brit, strangely, from uh, Story Hunter. And Lizzie Pollitt from uh, the SVP of Marketing from ACAST as well. Uh, and added to that list is Harry Morton from Lower Street, Morton Strongen, and the CEO of Podimo, and somebody called Darby Doris, the Director of Content from Listen. So, yeah, please go along. Oh, yes, I know Darby. Uh, excellent. Yes, so please go along, uh, as I said, to podnews.net forward slash live. That's where we'll be updating all the details about all of our events. Indeed, and that's where you can buy uh, tickets as well for those uh, events that we have uh, organised that for as well. Podnews.net slash live. Boostergram. Boostergram. Corner. 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 On the Pod News Weekly Review. Yes, it's our favourite time of the show. It's Boostergram Corner. Uh, Very excellent to see a boost from uh, Dave Jones, the Pod Sage. He says, if anyone can find the missing ACAST feeds, it's the Swedish trickler, Christoph Iseen. Ah, yes. Now, um, let me uh, tell you about the missing ACAST feeds. So you might remember uh, last week or maybe the week before, I was talking about uh, ACAST who claim that they have 92,000 registered shows. But if you have a look inside the podcast index or indeed listen notes or anywhere else, basically, then you can only see about 30,000 of them. And I was a bit curious about this. And so, I did a lot of digging, uh, and I did a lot of digging with uh, Molly, who works for ACAST's PR team, and and, uh, Molly presumably has been swearing under her breath uh, at me, um, finding out all of the details. But actually, um, yeah, it does actually add up, because there are private shows in there, there are um, additional shows in there uh, from Pippa that aren't always counted particularly well, Um, and there are also a bunch of uh, shows which are basically, um, it's it's basically hidden the fact that ACAST actually do them um, because ACAST has a thing called Flex, which means that publishers can use their own domains for RSS feeds and their own domains for audio as well and all of this kind of stuff. And so, you know, um, small uh, podcast publishers that you may have heard of, like the BBC or The Guardian, um, use that sort of thing. So those don't end up being uh, listed. So actually, it's probably fair that they are uh, that they do have about 93,000. So now we know. It's no longer hidden then, right? You're happy. Yes, I, I think it's I, I think it's all good. I, I think there is not a story there. Good. <laughs> <laughs> who else boosted us then? Oh, uh, I thought you were going to do some, but uh, Kyron, who I saw on Monday, uh, he uh, has just seen the new podcast pages on his two YouTube accounts. He's been approved for the uh, test which is going on, as have I actually. Um, and he says basically they're just a newer, slightly more fancy version of a playlist, so nothing special. Yes, I would agree with that. Thank you for the row of ducks, 2222 sats. Brian of London sent us a Israel boost of 1948. Surely the right metric is listen time per download. 
Well, yes, possibly. Although I would argue again, completion time per download, maybe. Who knows? Mm. Or, or, and indeed, who cares? Um, sorting, <laughs> who I keep on calling sorting because he or she hasn't actually told us how I'm supposed to be pronouncing your name. Anyway, uh, they have sent us a thousand sats. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to listen to. Uh, one more from uh, Dave Jones, which has magically appeared in front of me. It's almost as if this is a dynamic document. Um, Mitch Downey is one of the most thoughtful people I've ever met. He He's just a solid guy all round. 10,000 sats from Dave Jones. Thank you, uh, Dave. That's very kind. If you do get value from what we do, the Pod News Weekly Review is separate from Pod News. So Sam and I share everything from it. We really appreciate your support so we can continue making this show. And as you've probably heard, uh, some of these sats go directly into beer. So that's a good thing too. Um, you can either become a power supporter at weekly.podnews.net which is a beautiful way of, of uh, supporting us through uh, Bunsprout, our sponsor. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts at apple.co slash podnews or hit the boost button in your podcast app. And if you don't have one, podnews.net slash new podcast apps will help you find a new app, just like Fountain, perhaps. Uh, so that's a good thing too. Now, James, I, one more thing just to add. Um, if you listen to the podcast 2.0 show last week, Adam was very adamant that nobody should be listening on a higher speed than 1x to any podcast. It does your brain in, he said. Um, there is a term for that called pod speeding, basically. Um, and Adam is anti-pod speeding. So I just thought I'd let you know. I end up using, uh, I end up listening to podcasting 2.0 at about 1.4 uh, speed. Uh, and I also use the um, the silence uh, cutting uh, tool in Pocket Casts. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't use Fountain yet, because there's no silence skipping tool in that yet. Um, but um, in, in terms of that, that that is a game changer for certain shows, particularly for shows like uh, the new media show with um, Todd and uh, Rob. That's right, Todd. Um, uh, you know, it, it does get rid of an awful lot of games. Um, of Apps and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I I, th I think it's up to up to you and um, uh, and you know. So there we go. Anyway, um, what's happening for you this week uh, and next week, Sam? Well, uh, this week, as I said, we've added more speakers to uh, our events, which I'm very excited about. Also, uh, I had my dinner with James Bishop from One Fine Play. Thank you, James. It was very good in the middle of Hammersmith and lots of very clever independent podcasts over there very open discussion and I met up with Naomi Manor for lunch and so yes she will be coming on to the show in a couple of weeks time to talk about the International Women's Podcast Awards as well as the Podcast Publisher Awards going on in London. Very nice. When do we all get a play with uh, pod fans then? Do we have to wait for your um, excellently crafted speech at Podcast Movement or can we uh, can we get in now? No, uh, as of today, Friday the 3rd of March, uh, you can go to podfans.fm. That's where it's been hiding. Uh, we've now removed the Google um, robot text. So now it will be indexed hopefully by Google and you can find us. So yes, podfans.fm go along there register um and yes i will be adding people to uh have a play be gentle it is an alpha but uh, would love your feedback <laughs> very nice um and uh the last time uh, i saw you face to face you were uh driving a very very fancy very big car 
um, which to me looked brand new. So it's um, it's surprising. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I notice that you've bought another new car. Um, yes. What have you bought? Well, it's the same car. It's a Range Rover. We had to get rid of it. So. Uh, uh, Oh, we had to get rid of it. <laughs> well, it's yes. called the lease. It, they sort of allow. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Never. So uh, this one, though, comes with Alexa built in as well, so it's quite fun. So you can tell it what loads today. But I've got a funny story. My wife drove it yesterday because it's a hybrid, and she mm. rang me from where we lived, about a mile away, going, the car won't start. It just won't start. And I'm like, really? It's brand new. I mean, what's wrong? Because it's an electric car, it makes no sound when you start it. And ah, so yes. she was adamant <laughs> that it wouldn't start. So I had to walk for half an hour with a spare set of keys to go and find her to tell her that actually it had started. Oh, there you go. Yes, I, I have, because I drive a hybrid as well, although my car is uh, six years old now, seven years old. Um, and um, yes, when you turn it on, it makes no noise whatsoever. And so um, uh, when my parents were over, I, I, I ended up having to ha- having to turn the car on and then said, right, we're just about to move then. So it didn't come as a shock. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, we go. that's me. James, what's been happening for you this week and next? Well, I am looking forward to um, uh, the podcast show uh, 2023. They sent out some very fancy uh, graphics, uh, which I duly tweeted like they asked me to. And apparently that got a lot of engagement, whatever that means. So that's good news. Um, and I was in the Daily Telegraph. I, I would hope that you haven't seen it because, mm. you know, it's the Daily Telegraph. But um, <laughs> no. yeah, I was, uh, I was called a radio expert. Uh, in there. I was talking about the switch off of AM, which is going on in the UK. Lots of radio stations coming off the AM dial. Um, And I also uh, wrote a personal blog about um, Radio GPT, which is a... um, a, The idea is it's a live and local radio station, which is entirely run by AI. I'm not quite sure that it really is, but it's a pretty impressive thing. I really wanted to hate it, being an old radio DJ. I really wanted to hate it, but it turned out that it was actually quite good rather annoyingly um produ- i'm worried about you mm. I, i'm genuinely worried because a you said radio gbt wasn't as bad as you thought in fact it was nearly good mm. and then you went off on one and said the spotify dj wasn't as bad as you thought either um, are you taking your medication oh uh, no I, I didn't say that the spotify dj wasn't as bad as i thought i i said that uh, my friend uh, uh sean ross thought oh, that actually okay. it wasn't as bad um as uh, as uh, he first thought so quite a lot of this is i think really interesting it's it's um, people's assumption that it's going to be rubbish because it's what they think AI is. And then they actually hear it and they go, oh, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as that, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think it ties in very closely with um, the things that uh, Leo Laporte said about podcasting 2.0 the other week. And I think it also ties in with you know what Marco Arment was saying, the, um, the developer of uh, Overcast was saying about podcasting 2.0 um, in a podcast uh, this week. Uh, he was basically um, not um, particularly impressed at a few things, again, because I think he'd made assumptions about what it was rather than properly had a look at things. So, mm. yeah, I find all of that, you know, really interesting. It's possibly time for us to go. So that's it for this week. You can give us feedback using email to weekly at podnews.net or better still, send us a boostergram. If your podcast app doesn't support boosts, then grab a new app from podnews.net forward slash new 
podcast. Our music is from Studio Dragonfly. Our voiceover is uh, Sheila D. Do you know how I pay Sheila D? I buy Evo Terra some beer. Apparently that's apparently that's how it works. And we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. And also weirdly sponsored by CarMax, apparently. Get updated every day. Subscribe to our newsletter at podnews.net. Tell your friends and grow the show. And support us. And support us. The Pod News Weekly Review will return next week. Keep listening.